0: Hello and welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we work to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lovell with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is episode 28 of our podcast. Today, we will deliver on the second part of our two-part series on how to wisely prepare yourself in the 24 hours before a big event to maximize your performance and your enjoyment. In this last 24-hour window, your training is done. There is nothing you can do to be stronger or faster, but you certainly can make mistakes that add unnecessary stress and may even make you slower. Instead of stressfully scurrying around at the last minute, forgetting this and that, and maybe ruining your overall experience, join Glenn and I as we walk through how a little bit of forethought and planning can make all the difference. In episode 24, which was part one of this series, Glenn walked us through the ins and outs of warm-ups and his methodical process that he personally uses, which I called the four-step Winkle warm-up. We won't cover that ground here, so I recommend you listen to that episode if you have not. All right, let's talk to Glenn.
1: All right, Glenn, well, welcome back. Well, welcome back, Joe, and how are you?
0: I am doing pretty well, man. All Thanks right. very much. Very I'm. Uh, I've been thinking about this part two here. Part one was pretty fun, but as I thought about part two, it occurred to me that there was a lot to talk about. So let's get into it here. Mm -hmm. In part one of this two-part series about what to do in the 24 hours before a race or a big event, we talked mostly about the warm-up. And you talked, Glenn, in detail about what you do in your extensive warm-up that you need to perform your best, which is really quite extensive, partly because... You're an intelligent man who knows a lot about the human body, but also because you've got a lot of wear and tear on that old body of yours. Mold, mold. <laughs> and so, you know, you've got to take your time and do it just right. Fortunately for you, you've done it enough times that you've kind of zeroed in on what works. And, and you know that because sometimes you didn't do it and you had consequences. Exactly. Yeah. And so everyone else will have to kind of go through that process as well. And, But today, we're not going to talk about the warm-up because we did that. In part two, so today's discussion, we're going to finish up this two-parter by talking about more variables that will impact a day's athletic performance, and then the tactics that can be implemented in an attempt to maximize performance. Now, you know, maybe somebody's going to say, well, why would I bother? You know, what's the big deal? You know, I ride my bike all the time, you know, or I, I go for a run all the time. What's the big deal here? It's like, well, all right. So here's the thing. Racing, racing in particular, but, but really, you know, any kind of big special event, because when you have a big event, you know, like a big Grand Fondo or something, then people are racing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose some people aren't, but let's just talk about racing for a second. Racing really is a special opportunity that as an adult, you don't really get to have very often. really have to go out of your way to get that feeling of being really extra alive where there's danger at hand and it's in a competitive setting where you're not feeling pain the way you normally would you can suffer much more competing against your peers than you ever could make yourself do by yourself in training at least that's my perspective absolutely so so true. I mean, the adrenaline's pumping. I, I
1: can I can race much harder than I can train and recover from it. So it's it's definitely a whole different yeah. different animal out there.
0: And even if I could make myself train that hard, it would be pure torture. Right. Whereas racing is pure fun. I mean, sometimes bad things happen, and then it's you know that part is not fun. But the racing itself is for a grown person. It's an unusual opportunity to really feel alive. And so that's why. There's no point in paying your money and doing your training and bothering to show up and then not having taken care of these little things that don't hardly take any money to make sure they go well and they hardly even take any time. You just have to be a little disciplined and plan ahead just a little bit. So, why not? Why wouldn't you? All right. Again, in the 24 hours prior to an event or your race, there's a set of things you can do to get your body ready to perform and then i suppose we'll we'll expand it a little bit it's not exactly 24 hours and it's also not exactly only about your body mm-hmm. and we're not talking about training for the event or tapering from that training for an event or a race all right let's get into some of those tactics and we'll do this in two parts glenn we'll we'll first talk about in my mind There's 10 categories. So there's 10 subjects Mm -hmm. that we'll talk about, and we'll just kind of talk through them. Right. And then we'll go through an example timeline of when would these things come into the sequence of things you would do leading up to the race. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So the first category is exercise. And think of it sort of like the Goldilocks strategy. You don't want it to be too hot, and you don't want it to be too cold. You don't want dead legs, but you don't want a tired heart. And people are different. Some people like, heck, even an individual is different from year to year and maybe even how they react during a season. But you've got to do something to keep your body, to make your body ready for very hard physical work the morning of the race. And you can't do it by doing nothing for days before. Right.
1: Well, a lot of times we talk about the taper, after hard hard I will taper into an event. And, um, and and depends on how my body feels, but some days it's my taper, I taper and then I just take a couple of days off the bike before a big event. I, I wanna be completely relaxed. Other people I know, they have to ride every day. I'm not that way, I find I like to have a day where I'm completely off the bike and just let my body kind of de-stress and repair and get ready for the
0: event. Yeah. I have found that I always feel tons better if I'll get a ride in the day before. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be a hard ride. By that I don't want it to be long and hard. But short and hard is very good. And long but easy also works for me. <laughs> if I do something the day before, then I'm going to feel better. And I also have found, I talked about it a bit in the warm-up, but I also have found that the day of the race, if my race is not first thing in the morning, but say it's in the afternoon. Then if I'll do a nice, long, modest ride, you know, Mm -hmm. hour and a half, but keep my heart rate under my endurance pace, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be much better when I get to the race course. And then I'm going to do my normal warm up there, but I'm feeling really good Mm -hmm. if I did something earlier in the day. Right. Was there any more that you wanted to mention about uh, exercises in this prep? Well, you know, what it comes down to is everyone's going to have to figure out what
1: works best for them. And like I said, some days, because just my schedule, I'd have a track race on a Friday night, and I'd be doing a track race, and then the next day I'm racing. And some days I'd open my legs up, and other days i just shut my legs down. It really depends. And you learn just by doing and trying different things. Like for some folks, it might be a rest day or two before an event. Other people might be a good easy ride. Other people might be, a, you know, open up your legs and get the blood flowing kind of thing. So it's really going to be a matter of people figuring out for themselves what does work best.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess one other thought that just came to me is that if you see what your legs feel like before just the warm-up, an hour before the race, Mm -hmm. if you don't feel right, then maybe you can do something. You'll have time to do something. I don't know. Maybe you need a massage. Maybe you need a hot bath. I mean, I don't know what you could do, but at least you would have time to say, well, I'm going to try something because I feel really off. Something is not normal. And I've got a little time now because I found out in advance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the next category is food. And so there's, you know, in this 24-hour, and actually when we get later in the talk, I'm going to actually extend it back into the dinner the second night before. There's a lot of meals involved here in this getting ready. Mm -hmm. Mostly the right thing regarding food is don't make changes. If you wanted to try some new special diet that you think is going to be great for your racing, well, you you should have started it long before this 24-hour window opened. Don't do anything crazy. If you were going to make any kind of a change, I would say maybe go for blander. Go for carbier. If your muscles are not full of glycogen, then you'll not be at your best. So, you know, we're not talking carbo-loading exactly. Okay, in this food topic then, there's macros, carbs, fat, and protein. In general, carbs is the fuel that we want. Mm -hmm. Fat, as we talk about fuel for racing, your body has plenty of fat. You don't need to eat fat to get fuel for racing. And one of the problems with fat is that it is slow to digest. So when we talk about the timeline, there will definitely be a time where it's too late. Don't eat any more fat because it it will still be in your stomach and you don't want it in your stomach when you're going at your maximum heart rate. And protein can be a fuel, but it's a poor fuel. You got to eat protein to recover and to build muscle, but it's not really a good fuel. And again, that's also when you get very close to the race, you don't want to be eating protein. And I guess my preference is for real food as opposed to bars, Hmm. but you do what you got to do. And it's not like you can't eat any fat or protein. I mean, everything, every natural food just about has some fat and protein in it. So it's not like you have to have none. It's just, I wouldn't have a bunch of chicken an hour before the race or avocados an hour before the race. Yeah,
1: I guess that is unless you have an iron stomach. (laughs) I know some juniors that are like that. They have iron stomachs. and They can do anything before the race. It doesn't seem to matter. But the other thing to consider too is also um, you know we talked earlier in the in the warrant phase about how the race starts and how intense it is. If you're doing a 100 mile century ride, you know, or like something like the Davis double century or 200 miles, I mean, it's not going to be as critical because you've got to think about long term at lower levels. but if you're gonna stand up and do like a standing start in a one kilometer event, you know, I've got to have a completely empty stomach because that kind of effort puts me over the top sometimes. It, it can cause reverse peristalsis.
0: That sounds bad. Yeah, it is bad. (laughs) Okay, Okay, things to avoid. And yes, I'll admit I was thinking in terms of things like crits and Mm -hmm. you know racing on the velodrome. If you were going to be doing a five-day ride the Rockies kind of a thing, then everything you're eating, you're planning for the the days ahead. You couldn't go without protein and fat for Mm -hmm. all of those days with all of that effort. Right. And one last thing. In this topic, and this is something that it took me years to figure out. But I suffered from this. What I was told was that you had your last meal three hours before the race, and then an hour before the race, you topped it off with some essentially sugar—you know, a Clif Bar, something like that—and then when you warmed up, you then would top off again after your warm-up. Well, what was happening to me, again, I had no idea that this was even possible, so it took me a very long time to figure it out, was I would eat the sugary bar or whatever I had an hour before. My blood sugar would go up, my insulin would rise, and by the time I got to the warm-up, my blood sugar was coming down from the insulin. And now I'm exercising, and the muscles now are pulling in sugar, And my blood sugar is sort of falling faster than it normally would. And my brain would interpret that as an emergency and would say, you are tired, Joe. And I would always have this, oh my God, my legs feel dead. What is wrong with me? But it wasn't my muscles at all. It was just my brain and my low blood sugar was getting me. And so for me, I'd eat three hours before, that's it. I don't eat again until I have started my warm up. And even then I won't eat a lot, but I won't eat a thing until I have started the exercise. And so that keeps my insulin from going high. My body knows that the muscles will, will take the sugar out of the blood. Yeah. I think they call it rebound hypoglycemia. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that's actually quite common because people they're thinking wrong about how carbohydrates work. there's a side effect of of simple carbohydrates. Once you start exercising and you're in steady state, it's okay to eat simple things like glucose, for example, but right for the start of a race, it's not a good time to eat glucose or very simple sugars.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. Hydration. People make a big deal of this. And if it's a long, it's going to be a long hot day, Mm -hmm. well, then it's important. But if it's going to be under an hour, Mm -hmm. My rule always for me, Glenn, I would like to hear what yours is, but my rule was that if it's a race that's under an hour, I don't bring a water bottle on my bike. Mm -hmm. I don't want to carry it around with me. Mm -hmm. And the race will be too intense that I don't think I could dare reach down and grab it anyway in the middle of the race. Yeah, that happens uh, in a lot of criteriums that are short. Ours
1: usually run 40 to 50 minutes and there isn't a lot of time to really drink. I still carry a water bottle just for the option, especially on hot weather. To cool myself off of the water because out in colorado at least it's very dry and uh, a little bit of water can just get a little bit of freshing towards the end of a race to kind of perk you up a little bit before the race ends so
0: yeah well it makes sense i can remember some races where it was a hundred degrees out and mm-hmm. the heat is what killed me right some of that was me warming up too much in hot weather but still yeah hydration important so you don't want to be dehydrated mm-hmm. the day before Make sure you're drinking plenty of fluids, plenty of water, maybe avoid alcohol. For me, the problem of drinking too much water the day before later in the day is, is this now going to affect my sleep? Am I going to be getting up multiple times now to have to go to the bathroom? But still, uh, you definitely want to be hydrated at the race. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Supplements. Essentially, this is to say, if you've been doing it, whatever, Do what you want. But the one thing to watch out for is caffeine. Right. Caffeine has got a lot of good things about it. And that's why we all love it. Mm -hmm. But one of the bad things about caffeine is that it can really stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And if you get just a little bit too much caffeine on top of your higher level of adrenaline, you can push your heart too far. Well, you can
1: definitely stimulate your heart, no question about it. I think of caffeine from a different perspective altogether. I think of it more as as basically it kicks out the last... I mean, when you're, when you're basically at the end of a race and you're feeling low energy, what the caffeine does, it kicks out the last little bit of reserve of glycogen that's stored in your muscle. I've discovered the timing is critical for that. Because if I take it too early and it dumps that glycogen in the system... I have no reserve at all, and I find that if I use caffeine in races, I was not able to recover on the next day. So it became a non-option anymore. I stopped using it altogether as a result.
0: Interesting. I hadn't heard that. So that's good to know. the The trick with the timing of caffeine is, it doesn't affect you the minute you drink it. Mm-hmm. It takes time to get into your system, and of course, it takes time to get out of your system. Which reminds me that another element related to caffeine is. If you're going to be a little nervous before the race, the night before, yeah. cut back on the caffeine that day so that you can go to sleep. Yeah. Okay, so that leads me to the next category, which was nerves. Hmm. And so, you know, we're talking about adrenaline in your system. And that really is a part of this feeling of being alive. It, it's great, but it comes with a price. Mm-hmm. People can have GI distress which maybe can be a good thing, you know, if it's timed just right, but a very bad thing if it's timed just wrong. People have a hard time concentrating. This is why people leave things at home and they they get to the bike race without their bike or without their <laughs> shoes or something. It's cuz their brain is just addled when you've got too much adrenaline. But still, the adrenaline is good. Just be careful. <laughs> you got to work around it. The next one is logistics, and this one is just sort of a nuisance, but if you've ever been late for something and discovered that you really didn't know where you were supposed to go, then you know that you should plan ahead for these sorts of things. You're going to need to know about how long it's going to take to get there. Google Maps, Apple, they're all really good at this sort of thing, but you got to plan ahead. You, mm-hmm. you got to have some idea of where to park. And sometimes that's a pain. You can't really know if you haven't been there before. So plan ahead talk to people figure this thing out go onto Google Maps and drill down and look around and see what you see is there a paid parking lot does you know sometimes they make a parking lot for you that's great but sometimes they don't you're gonna to want to know where the toilets are is there going to be you're gonna have access to water or food do you have to bring everything yourself anyway all of these things you're gonna they all make or break where is race registration yeah where
1: is the wheels pit where is the star finish line? Where's the staging area, you know, if we're parked in a parking lot and you have to walk your bike out because it's all going to be gravel to get to the road. These are all issues that, that,
0: you know, come right, out. right. Cause you don't want to be walking yeah. in your cleats, tearing your cleats up. Correct. There are a lot of things, you know,
1: and so if it's a new site, for example, oftentimes like this weekend, we have a new site. So I don't know what to expect. And so I want to get there, especially early to account for those issues about, you know, where's the registration area, where's the start line, where's my car going to be parked out? Do I have access to the streets? all those kind of things so yep. there's a lot to remember at a bike race
0: it's it's really a pain in the neck i mean it's one of the things that makes zwift racing really awesome <laughs> none of that you know the stakes are so low because you paid nothing to get in you can do it forty forty 40 times a week miss the start of the race so what get the next one right but in a real race it's not as simple as that correct okay so the next category is essentially just the race and the race course Right. You have to know the course. You can just, sh- and I've done it. You show up, you have no idea what the course is like, and you find mm-hmm. out on the first lap.
1: Yeah, not fun.
0: Well, you're you're probably not going to do well, but if you just were there for the experience, great. You know, have fun, right?
1: Well, the thing is, too, is that if the race goes from the gun, and you get dropped, you were tended in the corners, for example, that's not going to be good. So, what I tell riders that are new riders or that are have never raced a course before is to actually, if it's not a long course, just walk it. You know, walk the corners, uh, walk through every apex of every turn. Um, and you get a real feel, because when you're riding the bike, you can't see everything. When you're walking, you can see a lot more because you're going slower. You can see the way the pavement lays out. You can see the camber in the road. You can see potholes, you see cracks in the road. See where the curbs are relative to the corners. you can see, you know, where the riders are likely to spill out into where they you know, danger corners are. Things like that, you know, and things that'll spook riders like certain corners will spook certain riders and then they're going to hit the curb on that side. You want to know where you're going to be in the pack. So I tell Bryce to walk the course. You know, if nothing else, stand on the corner during the race before yours or early in the, in, the, in the day and see how people negotiate a corner, for example, or how they negotiate different parts of the course. So walking the course and watching a race that's ensuing before your race to get a real feel for the course.
0: Right. It also, I think, would help somebody like myself who's not a climber. I need to know where the hills are Mm-hmm. When there's a hill, I need to get to the front so that I can drift to the back going up the hill to not get dropped from the right. pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on then, gear prep. Now, this one is sort of obvious, but still I think a lot of people aren't very careful about it. Check some bolts, make sure that your handlebars aren't loose or your seat post isn't going to slip on you or, or whatever. Your cleats are not broken or something, haven't shifted, haven't twisted somehow. And please don't put on new cleats right before a race. You'll never get clipped in, I can tell you from personal experience. (laughs) And also, do you have like race wheels that you don't normally use? Then pump them, you got to pump them up and make sure that they're going to hold air, like pump them up the day before. And if you're going to be racing on your wheels that you ride every day, same thing, pump them up before, check the tubes. You know, eyeball the tires, make sure that there's nothing that looks bad. Like one of the things I have people do is always, um, like I'm working with a new
1: bike this year, so I have to ride it a lot to kind of work out the bugs and get everything tightened down and go through and tighten it again and tighten it again. But basically, you know, good point. I just pumped up a tire I was going to race on this weekend and realized it went flat on me. I had to put a tire on. So, you know, I'll be ready by Sunday with all the little details of the tires getting glued on and discs all trued and brakes all checked out and all the equipment ready to go. So, um, you know, it's not as critical as a criterion because it is a, it is a road race. So it's more wide open, not so intense, but still, you know, you don't want to get a flat tire or have a, a slow leak.
0: And also a mistake that people will make because of adrenaline is they'll forget stuff. And so you really ought to have like a bag that you put everything in. Uh, and if you don't, then pack everything into your car the night before. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't try to do every anything really important at the last minute when you're probably running late anyway. Yeah,
1: well, I have a I have a checklist, one for the road and one for the track, and it goes into very great detail and everything I want I want to have. So it's all and this comes with me to every single bike race that's on the road or the track.
0: Yeah, well, that's very smart.
1: I go through everything because I forget. I mean, I've forgotten everything, including the bicycle at bike races in the last four years. Yeah. Shoes, helmets, gloves, socks. Bicycle, wheels, spare wheels, tools, pumps. I did Morgan Bismarck last, a couple of years ago. Forgot my rain jacket, <laughs> and I paid for that one dearly because I was never so cold in my whole life. And all these I've been racing, I, I literally froze to death. Oh, so things like that. This, this checklist covers everything. With 30 or 40 years of experience of what to bring, I go over with everything in detail.
0: Well, can we put a copy of that in the show notes? We certainly can, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's, we'll yeah. do that then. That would be great. All right. So then the next category is sort of like tech prep. And so this would be just simple things like making sure your batteries are charged, especially if you've got power shifting, get your batteries charged, you know, have spares. If you're going to have a computer, make sure that your computer is set up so that it's automatically going to just read your data, your heart rate, your power meter. Anything else on the tech stuff?
1: I haven't forgotten batteries yet and I haven't not had charged batteries yet. But you know, as I said, yet, because I'm sure it's going to happen. But I keep a <laughs> uh, spare battery in the car. I, I can charge the batteries in the car. If I decide they're not charged on the way to a bike race, I can charge them on the way up. But um, it's mostly the technical stuff, like make sure the Garmin's charged up on the head unit. Um, the power meter needs to have batteries put in it. The shifters have battery. There are a lot of batteries on bicycles nowadays. Yeah, that yeah. need to be checked. For the most part, like I said, it's new bikes, so it's, it's all new batteries, which is good.
0: Right, okay. And then the last category, I called it cool-down but really what it means is okay the race is over how do you get ready how do you recover how do you start recovering or how do you avoid some things that would delay your recovery worsen it keep you off the bike longer and so we'll talk about that you know things like doing a cool down ride mm-hmm. flushing the legs mm-hmm. a bad thing to do is to you know have all your veins full of blood And you just then go get in your car and you sit for two hours as you drive home. Hmm. You want to get all the lactate burned off. And then and other things too, you know, you can start rehydrating and you can start refueling so that you can get a workout in the next day if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. I just took some liberties here, Glenn, and put in some stuff like maybe you should think about how you're going to react to a group sprint for 15th place. I mean... Maybe it's not worth it. There's a risk reward here, mm-hmm. but we can talk about that here when we get to the end of this thing. All right. So is there anything else, Glenn, as far as categories or things we should in these categories? No, that
1: covers a lot of bases. Like there are a lot of little details, a lot of little pieces of the puzzle from where your head's at to where your, your bike equipment is. And you got to put it all together and get to the race on the start. the The goal for me is that I get to the race. I'm not stressed out because I couldn't find the porta-potties. I didn't know where to park. I want want it to kind of fall into place so I can focus on the race and my race strategy and not be worried about the other details. Because I have my checklist and everything's checked off and everything in the car where it belongs. I can get to every piece and everything works. That makes the race so much better for me than running around trying to find a spare part because I broke something or fix a flat tire or get a spare tube or something like that. So, yeah, it covers all the bases. That's the key.
0: Do you have on your checklist having a spare car key? Uh, No, I don't because it's on my hand. It's on your hand. I don't know what that means. My ring. Oh, your ring. Oh, very clever. Because I remember one race you got locked out of your car. Yeah. My, car, my, my demon car locked itself.
1: And my wheels were in the car, my race wheels. And I'm on my training wheels. And literally, I was running, I was trying to find AAA to open my car five minutes before the start so to get my wheels so I could race the race. I, that was not a good race. I was totally stressed out. Yes, yes. So those kind of things, okay. yeah.
0: So that was exactly to the point then. And uh, the you learned car, your lesson. Yeah, <laughs> demon car. okay all right so now we're going to talk about the timeline and glenn and i might have slightly different thoughts on this Mm -hmm. but that's all right we'll just talk this through and we're going to start the timeline two nights before so it's it's really maybe it's 30 hours we're not not a 24-hour window it's not really a lot to do but here's what i have on on my list one is mostly what you're trying to do is get a good night's sleep that night because that's the night that you're less likely to be stressed. Well, actually, what I did today was got the bike ready. I don't want to deal with the bike
1: tomorrow. I want to do with the bike a couple of days beforehand.
0: Okay, that's good because I have that on my list too. But still, I think the first thing for that day, because you could do the bike the, the next day in the morning mm-hmm. if you wanted, but you're likely, there's a really good chance of not having a good night's sleep the night before you know, especially if you've got to get up early, you know, if the race is in the morning, but you got to get up early enough to eat something three hours before. I mean, all of that, you're probably not going to get a good night's sleep. But so this night is the night to get a good night's sleep. And then as far as your diet, don't change anything. Just eat the same thing as you normally would. And then I wrote down, check the gear that you don't use every day, because this will give you time to react. If, if something's broken, something's flat, something's missing, you can get to the store and you can buy something. Yeah. And I would say that this is also a good time to go see the course if you haven't been able to. Maybe it's not that night, but if it's possible, especially if you've never ridden it, get to that mm-hmm. course and take your time. Well, especially if, if it's a
1: road course, like this weekend, is, it's one lap. So you start in one location, you end the same location. So you only see the start finish when you leave and you see it for the finish line. A criteria might have 10, 20 or 30 laps you go over the course again and again, you have a chance to kind of work the timing out in the course from this corner to that corner. How long does it take? How fast can I get from point A to point B? Uh, in a road race, it's just a long distance basically. Um, you wanna know where the hills are. You know, After that hill, what happens next? Is there a risk of a crosswind over here? You know, And so yeah. you can set things up in your mind so you can kind of think about it and sleep on it. Because you know visualization prior to a race is really critical. A lot of folks don't spend a lot of time visualizing the event and I wanna visualize in my mind situations like there's some long grades in this road race you know if we're hammered down um you know i want to make sure i'm there i'm not going to get dropped on a a hammer down section on a a false flat
0: exactly you know and anything that might be obstacles in the road the pothole the Mm -hmm. sand the off camber thing the crosswinds if you're in a pack you might you're not going to see it right and the crosswinds like this like right now it's very windy outside
1: and i know the winds are out of the north the cross course goes east west so there would be some severe crosswinds, and they're there's in centerline rule, which means on one side of the course you're going to be blown, with, you're going to be blown into the into the gutter essentially, and so guys will be riding the center line trying to get across, to, you know, stay, to stay drafted. So it's going to make a make it a big issue with a, with a very strong crosswind like today.
0: Interesting. And then the last one that I put down for this two nights before is that's a good time to check the the kit drawer and make sure you've got a clean one so that uh, you'll have time to get one washed and dried. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. All right. That was all that I had for that little extra extension off of the 24 hours. Anything else, Glenn?
1: Not really. No, like I said, it's just a matter of logistically sitting down and trying to get things out of the way that you can do now before the day before of or the race day itself, so you can kind of just go to sleep and rest and not worry about these things.
0: Yep. Okay, so now we're in the morning of the day before the race. So this is the 24-hour window. You're on the clock. Mm -hmm. So this is when you need to figure out how to get your legs to be fresh, but also full of energy. And so this is that openers, people call it. And some people people like different things and some people like to do nothing, but you got to figure out what works best for you. This is the day to do it. Do you want to do it in the morning before work? You know, for, so you got 24 hours before. Do you want to do it in the evening? Anyway, you got to figure out what works for you mm-hmm. and see how you feel. And maybe suddenly you feel like, wow, my knee is hurting. What, what the heck has happened? You know, where did this pain come from? It's an injury of some sort. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got time to do something about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I know and the, this is a good example of because um, I was out riding a couple of days ago, with yesterday, or yesterday I guess it was, and it just my legs feel terrible. No, they just felt not good. And I know I got a race coming up in a couple of days. And so basically that's why I to take some time off the bike, give my body a lot of time to rest. I did some some hard workouts last week. So maybe I'm paying for them still a bit. So I'm going to take a couple of days nice and easy. I'm going to race hard on Sunday. So, and that depends from week to week. Some days I feel like I need to, I need to get some good workouts in today. And whether I want to go deep in my muscle base for short, high intensity, or want to go long, steady, easy rides, you know, it all depends.
0: Right. Okay, and this is this is uh, a good day to keep the caffeine intake down. As I mentioned earlier, you're probably going to have some nerves, so you probably won't need as much as you normally do to wake up and you know and get through your day. And definitely stop if you're going to have to go to bed early this night because you've got to get up early for race day. Then you should stop your caffeine early as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else here this morning? Twenty four hours to go, Glenn.
1: Not really. Um- the thing I do, um, like look this weekend's a great example. My departure time is 7 a.m., so I'm packing the car the night before. And since I'm not going to use the car much, um, once the car gets home, I'm going to start packing it. And I have a certain way I pack things so I know where things are in the car. So it's kind of like a secondary checklist because my bag always goes there. My my pump always goes there. My bike always goes here. My wheels always go there. And that's another way to double-check everything. So I can go to bed. The car's ready to go. I wake up in the morning, grab a bite, hop in the car, and drive. Okay. Keep it simple.
0: All right, so the next checkpoint in this timeline is after work the day before. Mm-hmm. So this is the same day as we were talking about, but it's now after work. Mm-hmm. It's uh, You've got time to do something, and this is probably the most common timing for people to do their openers workout. The only mistake here would be doing a hard workout. You don't want that. Well, Joey, you have to quantify the word hard, though. <laughs> I mean, I would
1: say, like I said, there were times where I had to race the track. On It was Friday night. It was track racing. So I'd race the track Friday night, and that was super high intensity. You know, I mean, there's nothing more intense than track racing. And I'd race the next day. In fact, there was a race here in town when I first came to town where I actually raced the track on, I think I I raced the track and a stage race the same weekend. And I ended up racing, I think it was Thursday and Sunday at the track. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the race in Nessus Park. and I was going back and forth, literally. And I did well in all the events, but it was stressful in the body, let's just say.
0: I'm not sure what
1: you were suggesting. What I was thinking about is that the track race and the high intensity opened my legs up for the next day, where you would think it would tire them somewhat, and they weren't as fresh as they would have been. But I, it's like that day when you rode like several hours long distance and your legs felt more open my legs felt a lot more open after a track race sometimes on a road race the next day
0: well a track race can be short Mm -hmm. so a hard workout is where you have either very long many hours or it's a lot of high intensity work Mm -hmm. and so a good openers would be something that's maybe got several very short high heart rate intervals but not enough to get you tired. I mean, you you feel it, Mm -hmm. but it's not like you would need a recovery from that workout. You're just trying to feel your legs. The people that do this kind of a openers workout, that's what I see them doing. Mm -hmm. And when I have done that sort of thing, I always feel better as well, but I get the same benefit from a longer, easier ride the day before also. Okay. This is also the time when you've got to get all your stuff together and in the car, if you can, or if you can't pack your car, then put it in a bag or put it all by the door. So you, you're not having to rely on your brain when you're trying to leave Mm -hmm. in the morning for your race Mm -hmm. because your brain won't work that great. Right. All right. So this would be your last chance to check your bike if you hadn't done it yet. Because maybe you could still get to the store to buy a tube or something if you discovered you didn't have one and you needed one. Plug your batteries in or your computer or anything that's got a battery. Charge them up. This is your last chance to figure out the directions. Where are you going? What's the best way to get there? Some idea of where to park. How long it's going to take you to get there so that you know when you can wake up in the morning. So that you have plenty of time to, to get there. And anything else, Glenn? No, that's good. That's really good. All right. So now we're in the night before. This is the battle of the nerves. You know, maybe you're an old hand like Glenn, and nothing makes you nervous anymore unless you get locked out of your car. Well, you
1: know, the thing is that I have to tell you this too. It's I think it's important. If you're nervous before a race, I think that's a good thing. I agree because I know a lot of races I go to. I'm not even. I'm like not the least bit nervous, and so it's like I can't get myself up for the race because it's I've done this so many times before. It's like oh yeah, I got this. I got this race. Right. No, I totally agree. The fact that you're nervous about the race is a good thing. I'll get nervous for nationals championships or world championships. Those are it's more on the line. But for a local race, it's like I'm going out to have fun, you know. And I think that's a good attitude to have. So you want to have a something in between. You don't want to be totally stressed out, pulling your hair out, going crazy about something cause it's, it's not that big a deal. And you don't want to be just like, "Eh, whatever. You know, you want to have some kind of level of excitement because I'm, I, I want to do this. I want to have fun at it, but I want it to be fun.
0: Yeah, know? yeah, that's right. And, and I think that you're making a good point that there is too much nervousness that's counterproductive as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you find yourself looking for excuses to not go, <laughs> you know, then you've totally lost sight of, you know, what's going on here. So, all right, the night before, we'll start with food. Mm -hmm. You eat your normal meals, no surprises. You know, if there was anything that I would change, if a person ate late normally, but now they have to go to bed early because they got to get up early, then eat earlier. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I, I wouldn't change things as long as you're getting enough carbs normally, as long as you've been getting enough carbs. If you haven't, then maybe have some extra carbs that night for the food. What do you think, Glenn?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think this whole thing of carb loading is kind of overrated. I did it for years and years and years, never quite understanding the principles behind it. And I never saw any real benefit. In fact, there was probably more deficit than benefit for me. Yeah. Nowadays with my kind of modified diet, food's not much of an issue anymore. Whether I do or don't eat doesn't seem to make a difference anymore. But that's just my diet being what it is. But you're
0: unusual, I think, in yeah, this way. Most people it does matter. They'll want to eat in the morning. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, and so now this is the night where you're probably not going to get a good night's sleep. That's my experience. And I would say don't sweat it. It's no big deal. As long as you got a good night's sleep the night before, that's why you needed that to set you up so that it's okay, it's fine, don't sweat it. It's not going to bother your performance. But still, don't be a nut job. Don't go out partying. Don't be drinking alcohol. Don't do stuff that is going to mess with your sleep what little bit of it you're going to get. Mhm. All right, and if you hadn't done so already, this is pump up your race tires hmm. so that in the morning you can check and see if they're still holding air. Mm-hmm. All right, this is also when you need to set your alarm clock. <laughs> so you've got to figure some things out, right? You, got to, you know when your race starts and you know how much time you need at the race course before your race starts and you know how long it's going to take you to drive there And you know how long it's going to take you to get going in the morning and make and eat your breakfast. Well, add all that up, and that tells you when you got to set your alarm for. And sometimes it's early. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to get up in time and eat your breakfast at least three hours before your race starts. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have food in your stomach, and if you're a normal person, you're going to feel sick when you're hitting your max heart rates.
1: Well, there's something that I think we should probably add in here. It's a little fact that we forget about sometimes in terms of timelines is that let's, uh, here's a good example. My race tomorrow starts at, or on Sunday starts at 10 AM. Yeah. I have to leave. It takes an hour drive to get there. And I want to be at the race two hours before the start. So I want to be there by eight. I leave at seven. But yeah. here's the thing. My warm up will start at around eight, eight thirty. 30. So I have to eat three hours before that time if I'm going to eat. So if my, if I say, okay, I can eat at seven and be okay. I, I actually eat at seven. I'm actually warming up in an hour. So I want time my food. I need three hours of my food digest before I even start my warm-up.
0: Oh, uh, okay. And
1: that's a, that's a mistake a lot of people forget. Yeah. They think about race time, not about warm-up time. But if you're doing an hour and a half warm-up, you've got to think about an hour and a half more time. Yeah. So technically speaking, if I have an 8 o'clock warm-up, I have to be up and eating at 5 a.m. Okay, then. That's one of the reasons why my, my new diet is a little bit modified. I don't worry about food as much anymore.
0: Well, so a person who's going to be really sensitive to food in their stomach— and if their warmup is going to be hard enough that it's going to either affect the food that's in their stomach still, or maybe slow down the digestion of the food that's still in their stomach, then yeah, you've got to bake in more time, get it done. Mm-hmm. And if you are like me and you're going to get that rebound hypoglycemia, make sure you're not eating anything. I mean, you shouldn't eat anything but carbs anyway, after you've had your breakfast, but I wouldn't eat anything until you've started the warmup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's the morning before the race. You have woken up and this is it. So be sensible in your food. Oatmeal, very sensible. Oatmeal's got fat and protein in it. It's just not very much. So that's fine. I wouldn't be eating bacon. (laughs) That Stuff's going to stay in there a long time. And that fuel is really not going to do you any good. Your body doesn't need that fuel for its race, but it will use those carbs that you eat. At this time, you're also checking to see that your tires held the air. Hopefully that all went well. And if you haven't packed your car, then do it and bake in some cushion time so that you can relax and have a good think before you start the car and leave. And that way you don't end up getting all the way there without something important. Oh, yeah. Done all those things. Yeah. All right. So now you've driven there and you're at the race before your race starts and you've found it and you got a good parking spot good job that's good work if you couldn't find a parking spot and you uh, have to park a long way away from the start line that is going to be a hassle it's much better to be able to see the start line from where your warm-up is Mm -hmm. assuming you're using a trainer so get there early if you can find a good parking spot also one of the things that i have found out the hard way is you not only want to find out where the toilets are it's a good idea to have a little ziploc bag with a little toilet paper in it <laughs> just in case yeah and then you run right away want to find the organizers the race organizers table check in make sure you always ask about which side the numbers have to face grab some safety pins and you should have some in your car anyway and if you've been racing, you would. Mm-hmm. Put the numbers on. And yes, that means you have to take off your jersey if you had put it on. Well, you
1: know, I use glue. I use spray glue.
0: So my thing on my
1: list is have bring the spray mount. So I can just spray my numbers and stick them on. No pins necessary.
0: <laughs> I've seen people do that. And that was always appealing when I thought of the one watt advantage I might get out of that. <laughs> but then I... Just never could get myself to do it.
1: It's mostly the fact that it's just quicker and easier and you can do it yourself without having someone pin your jersey on. Because inevitably, and this has happened many, many times, someone pins my numbers on and I go to the porta potty and I can't take my jersey off because I pin, it, <laughs> they pin my jersey to my undershirt. I always pin my <laughs> own number on. I take my jersey off and I pin it. Okay, that works. But I usually have someone, you know, pin my number, my number on, and they pin it to my undershirt. Exactly, you know, and now you can't get it off. I get I it. Get it off. I get I guess,
0: it. I'm, yeah, that's ridiculously funny, but it happens a lot. That is, fu- I hadn't heard of that. That, but it's obvious that that could happen. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to do your warm up, which right. we went through in some detail on that. And this also is when, after your warm up is done, but before your race starts, really anytime time you're there and the course is in between races, that's your chance to get out on the course. Correct. And feel it and see, did any new obstacles show up? Right. Some guy left his car parked in the road right around that corner that you're not going to be able to see. Well, this week, actually, I was
1: thinking about this myself, trying to plan in my mind, because the road race, we're parked just outside the road race course. And since the road that's there by the parking lot is the road race course, we can't warm up on the road race course. And that's an important thing to remember. So it's imperative you bring a trainer because you want to be able to warm up because all the roads leading from that portion are dirt. Roads going east and roads going south are all dirt roads. So there's no road surface that's not race course to warm up on. So I've got my trainer come with me. I'm going to warm up on the trainer.
0: All right. So that's got to be a part of this pre-race recon is figuring out, is there a place to warm up? Yes. I've always just found it easier to, and I I would bring rollers Mm -hmm. and I just stick them next to my car and I can do whatever I need to. I'm not worrying about going over glass before the race and I'm getting a flat, you know, just as the race starts or mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. But you know, some people prefer to just ride their bike and you can. Okay. So now we're in the race. It's now your time to line up. And this is going to be fun, right? This is, you're going to find out now whether you're a winner or a learner. There are no losers here. This is not your living. If you are a mature adult human being, your ego does not rely on being the fastest or the strongest in your hobby. So this is a chance to have fun. So in this race segment, we're not gonna talk about tactics, team tactics or anything like that. So a lot of it is sort of off limits for this particular discussion, but there's three things that I wanna talk about. One is the start line, eating and drinking during the race, the finish line, actually I got four things, and preams. And preams are essentially you don't find them in every race, but in crits you find them all the time. They're a trick that the race organizers throw in to spice things up. You know, otherwise everyone's sitting maybe everybody is sitting in the pack and this is a way to create some action along the way. Okay, so the first thing is if you really think you have any shot at doing well in the race, then get on the start line before 50 people have gotten onto the start line. You know, get there when the pickings are good. If you get there early enough, you can get right on the front line. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, um,
1: again, it it's a factor of how big is the field. It's a factor of how strong is the field. What kind of race course is it? Because if you get a good start position, I mean, you're just sitting at the front of the field. It's easy. If you get a bad start position, you're chasing for the whole first part of the race. You know, if the field's gone single file, I mean, if someone opens a gap, you're done. Your race is over. So start position is critically important, in, especially in big fields when there's a 100 or more riders, for example, and the field strings out like for half a mile. Position is everything. So it is important to get on the start. And you'll see a lot of guys, they're hanging around the start, getting ready to go, and then they dive for the start until so you're all there, ready to go. You want to be in the first couple lines of starts of, of riders to so get a good start off. But at least with Masters Racing 60+, plus, you know, we have maybe... Fifteen twenty 20 rides, it's not a big field, so it doesn't really matter as much. You can hop in at the back and sit back there. And like I said, on Sunday, since we're probably going to go kind of easy, it starts not going to be as critical. So that takes a little bit of a stress away from you. But if this is a national championship and I got 150 guys on the line, I'm going to be right at the start. So it's different level of stress and a different level of preparation as far as being aware of these things. So again, it's being aware prior to the event, knowing what to expect, knowing the race course, knowing the field, knowing how large the field is, and of course, obviously knowing that it's, it's a national championship, or world championship or something like that. It's a whole different animal yep. than a local race.
0: And I'll mention it here. If you can't clip into your shoe, you've got a couple of seconds and the race is over. I mean, unless it's going to be a real easy lollygagger, if it's a crit or something high high intensity and fast from the go, you've got two seconds. And if you didn't clip in, the race is already over, hmm. you know, and if you have any trouble with that sort of thing, and a lot of people do, use speed play pedals. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about food and water in the race, Glenn. I mean, I don't do much. I never did much in the way of long races. You know, I, maybe I did events like the triple bypass, 120 miles. And of course, I had to have food and water with me. Plus, there was plenty of places to get more. But if it's a short race for me, I don't bring anything. I don't want the weight. And I am pretty sure I wouldn't even have an opportunity to reach into my pocket or down to get my bottle to take a drink in the middle of the race, it would just be too intense for me to be able to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And some races are like that. They're too intense to even drink, but on certain days when it's super hot or if the race is super long, you're going to want to rehydrate during the race. And a lot of times when you're racing, your natural ability to sense your hydration levels is way off. And so that, chances are you will dehydrate more than not. Yeah, And you know, it does have an effect on performance. There's no question that's been well-documented in the research. So, you may have to actually establish regular intervals. In fact, I know my Garmin timer will tell me that I need to drink a water bottle. There are different devices out now that tell you that based upon the amount of energy you're putting out, exertion you're using, you need to drink so much water. Yeah. And so, and, and obviously some drink more than others. I'm more like a camel myself, but I know that lack of drinking, lack of hydration will definitely affect performance.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea to, if it's a longer race, you'll need some carbohydrates in your water bottle or some food so that you don't run out of energy along the way. I mean, unless you've got a, a very odd physiology like some people we know. <laughs> Most people, they're gonna need that. And so, yeah, it's a good idea. If it's gonna be a longer race and if it's warmer, maybe you have two bottles uh, and you put ice in there or you know, maybe you uh, you froze it overnight so that it was melting all during the day.
1: And then so during the race, you figure out that your water bottle is still frozen and you have no water
0: the whole race. Well, I guess it wasn't that hot of a day. Apparently not. It's <laughs> happened to me several times. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Mr. Learn by making all the mistakes himself. Yes, of course. Okay. And then as far as preems, I'm interested to hear what Glenn has to say. I was always happy to see my competitors burn some matches that didn't cost me anything. Ooh, that's interesting. That's a. I never thought about it that way. That with the
1: other, I'm always thinking about myself when there's a preem, now sometimes you have to understand that a preem lap is a race within the race. Like there may be a race of 20 laps and at the end, you whoever wins the race, wins the race. But they might say, for example, put out next person across the line wins $20 or a case of beer or something, whatever or a it may be. Sock. A, lap, a lap price, a socks, yeah. So something I won't sprint for, but I mean, this is something that Joe's probably not aware of, but there's a strategy inside a preem strategy. When there is like, oh, it's a pair of socks, People are thinking, no, I don't want to sprint for a pair of socks. And I kind of go, bingo, yeah. because if I sp- if I just take off and attack, they'll chase me down. But if I go for the preem, they'll let me go. For- I'll let them get the preem, and I keep going. Then they realize, oops. Yeah, yeah, that's I- a good trick. That trip. happened to me. So it's a strategy to get away from the field, to break away, is use the preem lap as an excuse to get away. They won't chase you. That's a preem lap. Let them go. And then you realize, oh my gosh, that was the breakaway.
0: There you go. It's a strategy. All right, so maybe you got to go for it. But- uh- it never burned me that way. I was always glad to see my competitors be a little more tired than me when the finishing sprint came. I figured
1: also it was for me, it was it was testing out the sprint. I get a real feeling if I'm sprinting other people how that how the sprint's gonna go. And I get my legs warmed up for sprinting, because it does take a couple of good sprints to get my legs ready for the actual
0: final sprint. Oh, how interesting. So I never felt yeah. that. Everybody's different. <laughs> so everybody's gotta figure it out for themselves. And so the last thing that I wanted to talk about in this category is the finishing sprint. Now, that's always mm-hmm. fun. And I always had this sort of an ethic of, I always sprint. But there's, you really have to use your brain in this. The sprints can be nuts. And mm-hmm. you're, you can be racing with a bunch of people who don't know how to control themselves when they're sprinting. And so the bikes are weaving around and people are looking for daylight and they're cutting across, not staying in a lane. This is where bad things happen. And if, you are, if you're sprinting for the win, okay, maybe it's worth it. But if you're sprinting for 15th place, why are you doing that? Right. That's a really good point
1: you make. But I, the last couple of laps of racing, it gets harder and harder, obviously. The fuel starts stringing out, and there's a setup for a sprint. There's a clear setup, and sometimes it doesn't set up. If the race isn't set up for them. They, they try to make it happen, and that's when things, bad things happen, and crashes get to happen. So my my strategy is very simple: is the race either sets up, or I set it up, or it doesn't. And if it sets up, or I, I set it up so I can I can I can win the race, then I go for it. But I have to have a clean, what I call access to the finish line. If I get shut down in the, in the middle of the sprint, people come over the top of my wheel. I'm now in traffic. I'm not. I can't go for it without risking my life, and it's not worth it. Yeah. I'm out there to have fun, not to lose skin. Right. So it's it's a real strategy. Like if, if the the field comes around the corner and it's like 10 abreast, wall to wall, there's no clear avenue to have access to the front. You can't sprint. You have to sprint to stay in in position. But you can't. You don't have good access. It's not. It's pointless. You're just gonna. Yeah. It's, something's gonna happen. That's not good. So.
0: And some people. This is something that you'll talking to the listener that you'll have to learn for yourself. But there are in the pack that you've been racing with, some of those people have a sprint and some of them don't. And you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't done it, when you do it, you'll see that some of those people just have an extra gear. Where did they get that? Well, those are the, those are your fast twitchers. And they, as long as they didn't crack uh, before the sprint, then they've got this reservoir of power that they can throw down. And if you're a slow twitcher, just wave goodbye to them. They're gone. But what you can do is you can sprint long, take off before they go. I mean, they don't want to go until 200 meters. And why? Because that's all they got. If they take off with half a kilometer to go, they can't make it. But if you're a slow twitcher, you can. Right. This is
1: where you have to know your field. You have to know who the sprinters are, who the really fast switch guys are. And uh, that's why in a race, you might not want them to get to the finish line with you. You want to be in a breakaway before they get there. So you have an advantage over them. Or if you figure, you know, you know, you're the strong guy with the fast switch muscles. You want to get positioning and then go for the sprint. Then then you you can't. You love, you know, field sprint because that's like, that's your home territory. Right, right.
0: Yeah, if they just let you sit in all whole race, well, right. shame on them. Right. They can't win. Yeah. Okay. So that was all that I had. I I, I actually got a little too deep into the racing stuff there, mm-hmm. but- now we're left with sort of the post race and so this is you're starting the recovery process you you already started it by not being crazy in the sprint and crashing and then setting yourself back for four months you're gonna want to do some things before you get in the car you're gonna want to do a a cool down ride which is super super easy how easy glenn very easy (laughs) i just
1: uh Heart rate, well below 100, like 50 beats per minute, just resting heart rate pretty much. I get on my trainer, just, just put in low lowest gear and just pedal my legs around. I want the legs to be just moving, so I'm getting the, the blood flow going, getting the junk out of my legs, get it cleared out. You know, if, I'm, if I don't have the trainer, I'll just ride around very nice and easy. After a race, your legs are pretty cooked sometimes, so you want to just kind of roll them around so they feel a little bit better. Right, right. And then uh, make sure you're hydrating all the while and... Getting some nutrient down if you need to, right? So you can start preparing for the next day. So you start the recovery process almost immediately in the first hour after a race. You want to start getting some some calories in the system.
0: Yeah, yeah. Get some carbs, replenish your glycogen stores. I've heard that some caffeine can help with that, as well as a little bit of protein can help with that. Mm-hmm. The timing on the protein is a little bit overrated, but you'll want to get some protein into your body from a recovery point of view right away, or when you get home or, you know, whenever it it, it suits you. But as soon as possible, you should get some carbs into your system. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, and then I guess the last thing is if you did have a little uh, unfortunate incident and you lost some skin, get it cleaned up. There'll be a first aid station. Don't just think you'll deal with it later. Go ahead and get it cleaned up. You don't want to get an infection that again will take you off the bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Glenn, I ran out of things here. Was there anything else?
1: (laughs) Oh. Don't forget to check the results and don't forget to get to the awards podium on time. You
0: know, sometimes people do miss that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen. But yes, good idea. Yeah, you want to, uh, and and if the results came out in a way that you like, make sure you get a picture of that Mm -hmm. and uh, post that everywhere you can. You can imagine that you'll prize that forever. You won't, but it feels good for a little while. All right, well, so that's it then. That's how you do it. If you're doing it for fun, just get these little things out of the way so that it can just be a, a super fun event and nothing bad happens that you regret. All right, Glenn. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right, Joe. You take care. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Glenn Winkle on how to wisely prepare for the big event in the last 24 hours before the start. If you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send Glenn and I a question to address on the podcast see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.